Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. John chapter 10, verse 22. And we will try to go through chapter 10 this morning. So turn your Bible to John chapter 10 if you are reading along with us. Uh, If you have read ahead already, which is great, go through this with us together. And hopefully this will be an encouragement. And hopefully this will also be something to remind you of what we are going through at Restoration. So before I begin... Uh, I want to encourage you to slowly read these verses in your own time. I know we go through these verses, we jump through some of the verses, we're not able to go in-depth in, in each, each verse and each word. But it's important for us to take our own time to focus on what God is speaking to us. Even though we're learning more about God, but God is also speaking to us in terms of the circumstances and the situation that we're going through. And the reason I said slowly is also because we don't want to miss anything. Right? If you are like me, when you read through things, I tend to try to read really quickly. I've always wanted to know how to do speed reading, uh, which is great when you're just trying to learn about a certain topic. But when it comes to scriptures, we want to slow down, read each word, and then write down what comes to mind. That's a way for us to hear how God is speaking to us. That's number one. And also number two is to be more familiar with hearing God's voice. Because he does speak to us. So that's why I want to encourage you guys to read along with us. Not only that, uh, the book that we're going through as a church at Restoration, not because it's a great book, which it is, but we're going through that because we we were praying over what to do and we felt John is a book that God wants to take us as a church through, uh, through the season to learn more about his love more certain of who he is and his love for us and continue to solidify our foundation in Jesus in terms of trusting in him, not the things that we see and relying in the things that he is teaching us. And we do believe that God is preparing us at restoration through the gospel of John for the seasons ahead so we can be more, as I said, strengthened in our knowledge of Jesus, of who we are in Jesus, be more equipped to combat the lies about who Jesus is and who he is not. And, and thirdly, it's also to equip with us uh, so we can be even more equipped to share with others about our personal relationship with Jesus because as we learn more about him, that will come through in how we live, how we talk, and the decision that we make. Uh, so before we read through these verses, I do want to highlight three things for us to keep in mind as we go through this passage together. You know, typically... I would list the three things at the end, but I just felt for us, uh, for us to ha- highlight these three points in the beginning. So for us to keep those things in mind as we go through our passage together. Number one, firstly is Jesus gives eternal life. And he is the only one who can do that. I know we all know that, but it's good to be reminded that Jesus is the only one that can give eternal life. None of us can give eternal life to someone. As much as we want someone to come to salvation, we can't 
give that to anyone. Not fame, not money, a sense of humor. No matter how funny you are, your personalities, how smart you are, how intelligent you are, all the good deeds that you do. Jesus is the only one who can give eternal life. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do anything. Right? As followers of Jesus, in fact, we must do something because God has, wants us to. He commissioned us to do something, to partner with him in carrying out his plan to bring salvation to all mankind. Uh, so that's number one. I know we know that, but it's good to be reminded that Jesus is the only one that can give eternal life. But at the same time, we are to partner with him, not the other way around. When God partners with us, that means God will do things that we want him to do versus when we partner with God, meaning we come alongside with his plan and do the things that he wants us to do. Uh, so number one. Number two, it's extremely important to know scriptures. As we go through this verse, remember and read through this because Jesus used a reference, a verse that's not very well known from Psalm 82, which we will talk about in a little bit. It's not very well known, but it's important to know the because we need to know everything there is to know within scriptures. If you're like me, sometimes I like to refer to a certain book, a certain chapter a lot, and tend to ignore the other chapters. But through this passage, it's important for us to be reminded that we need to know everything in here. The Old Testament, the New Testament, some of the things that seem like it, ooh, that didn't seem like I wanted to know about that passage. But it's good for us to know because that's how we can learn more about Jesus. You know, Jesus most likely will speak to us through our prophetic dreams and visions and, and prayers and through people and through circumstances, but he will most definitely speak to us through scriptures, for sure, always. So, um, and as we can see, as we go through this passage, Jesus used scriptures to provide an answer to the religious cynics. Uh, and as we see Jesus do that all the time, and knowing scriptures and what, what we can learn from this book is knowing scriptures will also strengthen our knowledge and our foundation to stand against the constant changes in beliefs or ideologies that we are experiencing or we're seeing right now all the time. Uh, so that's number two. It's extreme, it is extremely important to know scripture. And thirdly is to let the fruit from the good works. Jesus referred to this. The good works from the Father. So let the fruit from the good works of our life be the testimony to Jesus. Because that's what Jesus was trying to say eventually in this chapter, which we will go through, is which one of these good works from the Father that you're trying to accuse me of doing. Um, so let the fruit of our good works be the testimony of Jesus to the people around us. So essentially, don't just talk about it. Don't just tell people, I go to church. But let the biblical good works our actions and the result of our decision. And remember, it's not the same thing as the good works of this world because the good works of what all, everyone else think what we should do versus the good works from scriptures are not always the same. They don't always line up. So we'll talk more about what it is, what is a biblical good works in a few minutes. But keep these three points in mind as we read through this passage. So, so let's jump in. John chapter 10 verse 22. I will be using the NIV, but feel free to use whatever translation that you have. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple court walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. 
I want to briefly point out there's a significance about Jesus in the temple court walking in Solomon's colonnade as he will speak about eternal life in this situation. Because this moment refers back to John chapter 2 when Jesus was talking about destroy this temple and I will raise back up in three days. And eventually soon he will speak about I'm the one who gives eternal life. And that's, I just want to take one quick moment to refer us back to that. So later on, if you spend time reading through this passage, you want to know what is the significance of Jesus walking through the temple court in Solomon's colony because it referred back to what he had done earlier. And at that same place, he will speak about eternal life. So at this time, as you can see, the people still question Jesus about who he really is. Even though he has told them multiple times and shown them proofs in terms of the signs and wonders that he has done. So let's, let's just briefly go through some of these just to remind ourselves of how ridiculous that question was. So John, in John chapter 1 and chapter 2, John the Baptist, his testimony about who Jesus is, even to the point where which led two of John's disciples left John to follow Jesus because John was pointing everyone to Jesus. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 2, he turned water into wine. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I wish I can do that every day. That would be a lot cheaper. Uh, Jesus revealed himself to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. So she also testified to the Samaritans about who Jesus was, right? If you remember, she ran and told everyone else about Jesus. And the Samaritans, in, in, uh, if you have time, go back to John chapter 4, verse 42. The Samaritans acknowledged Jesus as the Savior, not because of what she said. This is what they said. We believe because of not what you have said, but we have heard for ourselves. And now we believe he is the Savior of the world. So not only did he reveal himself to the Samaritan woman, she told everyone else, and they got to see and they proclaimed that Jesus is the Savior. So in, also in chapter 4, he healed the royal official's son. Uh, in John chapter 5, he healed a man who was paralyzed, right? And he told everyone plainly who he was. Uh, in, in John chapter 6, he fed almost 20,000 people. I know they said 5,000, but back then they only counted the man. But when we include the woman and children, it's almost 20,000 with five loaves and two fish. That was a miracle in itself. And the reason it was, and the reason there was a great crowd, because if we can see that in the beginning of chapter um, 6, because of the signs and wonders he had performed. So everyone was following him because of that. Uh, Jesus walked on water, calmed the wind and the wave in an instant in John chapter 6. There's so much. I'm just really briefly going through other things that he has done and said. So the uh, the reason we know he walked on water because the people saw the disciples left without Jesus. And next thing you know, Jesus is on the other side of the lake. So he walked on water. Um, and he told people of who he was in John chapter 6, John chapter 7, John chapter 8. He healed a, mom, a man born blind who has been blind for 38 years. And he brought healing to him, allowed him to see in John chapter 9. And told people who he was. Jesus revealed himself again in John chapter 10, which Mike shared last Sunday. So after knowing what has transpired, so just imagine you are the group of people who have been following Jesus and listening to him, hearing him preach at the temple, and 
seeing all the signs and wonder he has done, we can see how ridiculous that question is, right? Maybe you may think, oh, they haven't seen Jesus before. No, that's not the case. These are the people who have known, heard, and seen Jesus. So when they ask, how long will you keep us in suspense? It's almost like, how many times can I tell you? You know, for those who have kids, I'm sure you say that all the time. Like, how many times have I told you? Don't do that. This is the same thing. I'm sure Jesus is probably frustrated. But as we study, as I was spending time studying through this, and most of the commentaries, commentaries were saying that the reason that they won't believe, regardless of what they have heard or seen, is they would just would not believe, period. Because their hearts have hardened to who Jesus is. Their pride won't allow them to accept Jesus as a savior. They have been promised. What we know deep down to be true or what our minds are willing to accept are two different things, right? Have you ever heard of the cliche that talked about the greatest distance between, your, uh, between being a true Christian and someone who goes to church is six inches, right? Your heart and your mind. What you know in your heart and what comes through in your mind, your mind usually block off a lot of things that you feel. So you got to allow your heart to come through. And that's why your mind is where your pride will come and tell us not to believe in Jesus. So deep inside, we all know the authenticity. When I say we, I don't mean just us here, but all people. Know the authenticity of who Jesus is. But the responses are all not the same. There are typically three responses to Jesus. Number one, people acknowledge Jesus as God and Savior and follow him wherever he leads. Number two, people acknowledge Jesus as God and Savior, but follow Jesus when it's not an inconvenience. And number three, people completely refuse to acknowledge Jesus, no matter what they have heard, no matter what they have seen or felt spiritually. So obviously those who ask this question fall into the third category. So this is why Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did, do not believe. The works I do in my, in my Father's name testified about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. That's what I talk about, the third category. Regardless of what we heard, what we've seen, if we don't want to believe, we will not believe. We will come up with a reason, an answer for the things that we think that we've seen or heard. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He went on to say, which is the first point that I want to highlight. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. That is incredible. I don't know if you guys understand the significance of, of this, of what Jesus said right here. These three verses, firstly, well, let, let me go through something that we all know. Is speak to the complete unity and heart and purpose between Jesus and the heavenly, our heavenly Father. Right, so whatever the Father wants, Jesus does. Whatever Jesus does is according to the Father. So that's number one. Secondly, eternal gift. Eternal life is a gift. It is a gift that we get to have forever, that they will never perish, right? If you think about perish, that means you will never lose a shine. As in, uh, you, we have eternal life, and uh, 10,000 years later, well, our eternal life will get weaker and weaker. No, we will have eternal life regardless 
of how long it has been. We will never perish. It will never be lessened in its power. It will never perish. It is a gift that cannot be taken away or stolen by anyone or anything ever. It is a gift that can only be given by Jesus. Once we have, the, once we have received the gift of eternal life, no one can snatch them out of Jesus' hand. I think it's really important for us to remember that. No one can snatch them out of Jesus' hand. So not only that, no one can snatch them out of Jesus' hand, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand, who is greater than all. So there is a reason why Jesus said this twice, to make sure people fully understand and realize once we have the gift of eternal life, we cannot lose it. No one can take it away from us. It's not a coincidence or an accident that Jesus said it twice, right? Because he wanted to emphasize the absolute certainty of the gift of eternal life. I believe the Passion Translation speaks to the eternal life as a gift from God. And it, it helped, at least it helped me to bring this message home. I give to them the gift of eternal life. And they will never be lost. And no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. My Father, who has given them to me as his gift, is the mightiest of all. And no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. The Father and I are one. That's amazing. It's a gift that we have, that we get from God when we genuinely and authentic, authentically repent and accept Jesus as our Savior. Think on that. It's a gift that we get forever and it will never perish. I know this is something that we know, but it's sometimes it's good to be reminded again of the certainty of who we are in Jesus and what we have in Jesus. Because there are so many times during our life we will come into a tough season and we think that we have done something wrong so we deserve what we got. That's not it. Know who Jesus is and what we have in him. It's like when someone gives us a gift and we're grateful with our hearts. Like that's how we accept it. Accept this gift is... Be grateful with our hearts and, and say thank you. That's how we accept the gift from Jesus. I know we all know this, but it's good to be reminded again. So anyway, it sounds easy to understand that, but there's always going to be people in this third group, which I mentioned earlier. No matter what they have heard or seen, they will not accept the gift of eternal life because they don't want to be grateful to what Jesus has done or acknowledge that he is God. Upon hearing this, they try to stone Jesus. They still refuse to accept Jesus because of their pride. In verse 31, it said, Again, his Jewish opponents pick up, pick up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? So this leads to the good works right here. So what Jesus said is, I have shown you many good works from the Father. So shown, the, the, the term shown here in, in the Greek is meaning done in public. I have done all these good works in public. So there wasn't something that was done in the basement somewhere, in the back of somebody's house, or out in the forest where no one can see, or in the middle of the night when no one's around. What Jesus was saying is, I have shown you all the good works in public where everyone else can see. Things seen by the very people who are trying to stone Jesus. So all the good works is not just any works, 
we need to remind that this, this is the important term right here. But good works and the good works that came from the Father. Right? It wasn't just any good works. Jesus, I have shown you many good works from the Father. Not I have shown you many good works. And these works are, are the miracles that can only be seen. I can only be from the Father. Not because a person was, was doing something that other people would consider as good. But good works from the Father. Good as in precious. The definition for this specific term good was precious, beautiful, admirable, magnificent, or honorable according to God. So the works mean things accomplished by deed or act that requires effort or requires undertaking, right? Requires perseverance. So the, the good work acts by God that requires perseverance, be requiring trust according to the Father. So therefore, good works from the Father means being actively involved in the things approved by God. Not the approval of the world that we live in. These are not about a person's character. Some of the example in terms of the approval of the world would be false humility or um, workaholic, right? We seem to idolize workaholic. If people that work 18 hours a day is someone that we should put on a pedestal. Or in, in terms of fame or sports, like if someone dedicate their whole life to be excellent in terms of their sports, whether it's football, basketball, or a CEO who works 18 hours a day. That's what we idolize. That's what the things that we are approval of to, in order to get greed and money and fame. Spend time practicing to be the best versus the things that are approved by God. What are those things? So the things that are approved by God is usually is the antithesis, which means the opposite of the things that are approved by the world. What are those things? Those things are actively, practically do what the scripture tells us to do. Spend time in prayer, right? Spend time in prayer. Talk to God. Listen to God. We don't need to spend time thinking about our job all the time and work all the time. Spend time with God. Not only talk to him, not as like a checklist, like, hey, God, can you give me A, B, C, D, E, F, G? But listen to what God has to say. Hear the things that he has to say for us. Pray for other people. Hopefully that's not a new thing for us, right? Instead of just praying for ourselves or our needs, Pray for other people. What scripture teaches us, what? Worship God. When we worship God, it's take the focus off ourselves, right? That's why worshiping is not an easy thing for most people to do. That means you exalt someone else above ourselves. That's why it's not easy. But we need to be able to worship God and acknowledge that he is good. Not only that, worship God every day. Scripture tells us to worship God all the time. When we worship God every day, when Sunday comes, it will be so easy. Because we have been worshiping God every day of the week. And when Sunday comes, when we gather together with God's people, it will naturally flow out in terms of our adoration of who God is, our exaltation of who God is, and just to receive the things that God has for us. So worship Him every day, not just on a Sunday morning. Hopefully, Sunday morning is not the only time that we worship God. And, and scripture teaches us to live a lifestyle of honor, right? Live a lifestyle with love and integrity. Do the right thing. Make sure we don't try to always advocate for ourselves and put people down. And lastly, which I think just as importantly, 
if not more importantly, is to fully walk into all that God has called us to do and to be. Acts 20 verse 24 is when Paul wrote, I have finished the race. I think we're all familiar with this, right? I have finished the race and complete the task. That is a good work from the Father. Finish the race, meaning live a life of faithfulness to Jesus. Complete the task, meaning completely walk out our calling. That's what Paul did. He completely walked out his calling and he lived faithfully to who Jesus had made him to be. So that's something that we can also do in terms of the good works from the Father. And the good works from the Father are different for everyone else. You know, some go into ministry. Some are doctors, some are social workers, some are firefighters, some are business people, some are teachers. These things are all good works from the Father. So as we pray and listen to God, we will get to know what they are. So then we can do those things also. We can walk into and fully live out and exercise the good works from God. It's also worth noting that in John chapter 8, when they try to stone Jesus the first time, because as you, can, as you notice in this verse, it said, again, they try to stone him. So this was not the first time. So the first time he slipped away. But this time he stayed and confronted them. Confronted them of their reasoning for trying to stone him. By saying, which one of these good works are you trying to accuse me? So when they, their answer is, we're not stoning you for any good work. They replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them. It is not written in your law, is it not? Wait, yes. Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be set aside. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father, but if I do them... Even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So this is when Jesus referred back to scriptures in pointing out the hypocrisy and counter the cynics. Because Jesus said, your law, right? Jesus was pointing back to your law, the law that was written in the Old Testament. He's letting them know that I know your law so much more than you know your law. So you calling me. Accusing me of being, being blasphemy. So the verse that Jesus was referring to is from Psalm 82 verse 6. As I mentioned earlier, in that verse, God said, I'll read it to you. I said, you are God, you are all sons of the Most High. So in that verse, God was speaking to the princes and he was referring to them as gods and the sons of the Most High. So when Jesus was pointing out these things in scripture and saying that I am actually God's own son. So I should be able to call myself uh, God. You shouldn't accuse me of blasphemy. And that's why it's important for us to know Scripture. So when a situation comes or the situation arises, we can use Scripture to um, explain or justify, if I can use that term, to explain for why we live the way that we live, why we think the way that we think, why we don't agree with what's going on around us. Because God is teaching us something different and something better. So in this situation, Jesus is reminding them and us that every book, as I've said, every book, every chapter, every verse, every word cannot be ignored or cannot be set aside. 
That's in the translation, cannot be broken, right? So every word was inspired by God, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, no matter how confusing it may be to us. We need to press in and understand what God is saying. So this is the last point that I want to emphasize. It's extremely important for us to study all of Scripture. It's for our own goods and our own personal growth in the revelation of Jesus. So when... So let's finish up this uh, chapter. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed. And many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. I want to point out, through these last few verses, that John never made it about himself. John constantly pointed people to Jesus. John was clearing the path for people to Jesus. Right? In John chapter 1, this is what was said about John. He made straight the way for the Lord, which led to verse 42 in chapter 10. Many believed in Jesus because of what John did because of what John said, because of his declaration of proclaiming Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. Make straight the way. An example is make straight the way. as like don't be a stumbling block, right? When we make it about ourselves, become a stumbling block for people to come to Jesus. Move ourselves out of the way. Make straight the way. Make the path easier. The best way is point people to Jesus. Give Jesus the credit. Give Jesus the glory. Talk about how incredible, how wonderful he is. And tell people, go to Jesus. Don't come through me. Don't come through me. Jesus can speak to you much better. He will share with you about how wonderful he is. So that's what it means to make straight the way. Because when we do that, all of us do that. Many believe in Jesus. As we can see that in verse 42. So I want to bring this morning to a close by reminding us of the three points that I mentioned earlier. It's number one. Keep in mind. Eternal life can only be given by Jesus, and it can never be taken away. Jesus said it twice. It can never be snatched away. So when we are in doubt about the gift of eternal life, to think whether we deserve it or not, remember this. When we genuinely and honestly and authentically give our life to Jesus and repent, we have that gift of eternal life forever. So the same is when we have doubt about his love for us. By knowing scriptures, we can be reminded again. So number one, eternal life is forever. Number two, of God's love for us. So if we've done something wrong or we offended someone or we feel bad about ourselves, remember God's love for us, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, right? No matter how. Height, depth, depth, life, death, angels, demons, power in the presence, any powers, anything in all creation can ever separate the love of God for us in our, in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing, right? So when we know scriptures, go back to those things, to be reminded of who we are in Jesus. And we can use scripture to rebuke the lies, rebuke the doubts. Just like earlier this morning, I just felt that's a sense that there's an unsettledness of some people here. That's what we want to be reminded. It does not come from God. If there's unsettledness, anxiety, stress, it's not from God. Press in with him. Spend time with him. Get to know this. 
read scripture because that's the best defense that we have in our spiritual fight against the dominion of this world. An example is when, you know, when we, some of the examples you feel unsettled is that you think like people are trying to get us, you know, everyone is against us. Uh, when, we, um, when we have hate or anger or just depressed, spend time with scripture. It's the best and quickest reminder of who we are in Jesus. It's the best way to reinforce our foundation that we stand on. And number three, let the fruit of our lives, the good works that we talked about, right? Let the good works speak to others that Jesus is in us. The same as when Jesus said, which one of these good works from the Father that you're trying to accuse me, if we allow our good works to come through, we can say, do not believe me unless I do the works of my God, Jesus. Don't believe what I say, but believe in the works that I do from my God. Because for us, when we do the works of Jesus, there will be a spiritual impact. And when we do the works of Jesus, many will believe in Jesus. Just like the good works that John the Baptist has done in making straight the way for the Lord. We will leave a spiritual legacy behind us when we do the good works from God. It's not just doing good according to the world, but doing good works according to scriptures. Doing good works according to what God has called us to do. And when we leave a legacy behind, that means our good works is being impacted by those who were healed. Just like Jesus not only healed them, but the generation that come after them. It's the same thing as we impact the next generation and the multiple generations that come after, after them. So when we do good works from Jesus, that is how a legacy is formed. So just as the legacy of John the Baptist, right, at the very end, John just, they brought John the Baptist in. But his legacy is because people have heard about Jesus and finally they get to see and experience Jesus for themselves, many believe in Jesus. So that's what the legacy is. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.